Wow, 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 wow. You know, when I, I began to think about Aaron, and, and I'll just say this, both Aaron and Eric, and I, I, I am so proud of them. I'm so proud of, hey, she's anointed up here. Does she do a great job up here or what? Does she do a great job? Big time. I've never seen you do that. That's incredible. And I'm so proud of you guys and what God has uh, done in your life and through your life. And uh, this, this, is a, this is amazing. I mean, the whole thing is a, is a miracle. Love you guys. Love your family. Love the team here. Of course, I know Pastor Jason as well. And uh, God has put a great team here. Listen, you always know how much God loves a church by the quality of the pastor, the pastor's wife, and the team. How many of you guys know that God loves Rise Church? Can we give the Lord a hand clap? God loves you guys. So uh, as Pastor Aaron said, I've had the opportunity to walk with him for the last 10 years uh, when he felt it in his heart to come to San Antonio. I'd been coming here for about 15, 18 years and uh, just really liked your, your city and just really prayed with him and really kind of sensed that this may be a good spot for you. Um, but, but I do want to say he also asked me a number of years ago when y'all were starting uh, to be on the board. And I want to say it's an honor. Myself, Pastor Jeff Little, I know that you guys have... And, and I just want to say, you guys are in good hands, and uh, good hands with them, their leadership. Uh, I always love getting the reports at the board meeting about all that God is doing and how God has blessed you guys. Of course, you plant a year and a half, then COVID happens, but, and you don't have church, but how many of y'all are coming back stronger? How many of y'all, how many of y'all are grateful that y'all are coming back stronger? Amen. So as Pastor Aaron said, uh, I'm from the greater New Orleans area. Um, we do have campuses in Mississippi and different places. We're excited. We're launching Atlanta this fall as well. We're pr pumped up about that. I do have a family. I am married. Uh, I don't look as old as I am. I'm 52. If you looked at me up close, you'd see it. But I'm telling you, how many of y'all thought I was in my 30s? Come on, just raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> see that? About Pastor Aaron's age. Anyway, so, so uh, but I'm married. I've been married for 27, 26 years. If you can pull that picture up. I've got, I think, I think they have a picture of my family. This is actually for two years ago. And so my wife, Jennifer, and I have been married 26 years. Uh, and then I've got four. My daughter, Isabel's 24. My son over here is 22. He's now 20. And my little daughter, who is incredible. You, you know, I, I wanted to say this. My daughter uh, from China, she's a mathematical genius. I really mean that. And so she tutored my son in algebra last year. Anyway, so that's the joke. Okay, I'm, I'm playing about that. So I, I am playing about that. Today, I, I want to jump into the Word. And uh, I want to talk to you guys today about the process of a dream. The process of a dream. Uh, some of the things I've learned as I've walked with Jesus uh, the last 33 years. I'm 52. I became a Christian at 19 years old at Tulane University uh, 33 years ago. And a long time. And one of the things I've realized as a follower of Christ is that God is in the process. Everybody say process. God is into a journey. There's a journey. Matter of fact, I tell our churches all the time, I said, God is not in the perfection, but he's in a progress. You guys ever heard that before? You know, God, you know, God loves you right where he finds you. I want to add something. God loves you right where he finds you, but he loves you too much to leave you where he found you. So, so in other words, the Christian life is a, it's a life of progression. It's a life of growth, maturing in God, becoming who God's called you to be, doing what God's called you to do. I've had the privilege in college and go to, I went to college and 
and Bible college, and then I had the opportunity to go to seminary. And one of the big words that I learned is the hypostatic union. And the hypostatic union, we believe in this church, at Rise Church, that Jesus is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. Isn't that right, Pastor Aaron? We, and so the, it's called the hypostatic union, the God-man. What's interesting is, let, let me read a scripture to you guys. Luke chapter 2, this is a very interesting scripture. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Listen to what it says. It says, and Jesus increased. Everyone say increased. increased. Think about that for a moment. Jesus increased. He increased in three ways. Number one, he increased in wisdom. Isn't that interesting? He had no sin, no sin nature, and yet he had a grown wisdom. That's what the Bible says. And he grew in stature. God the Father put God the Son on the earth. Listen, it could have been just like Adam in the garden. Adam and Eve were placed on the earth as mature physiological human beings. But Jesus was born. Think about that for a moment. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature physiologically, but he also grew in favor with God and man. Think about that for a moment. If Jesus Christ had to grow, how much more do we? And I think there's, a, there's this confusion in the body of Christ. Listen, there's this confusion that you kind of get there. Watch this. That you, that the, well, I'm a mature Christian. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as a mature Christian. There's a maturing Christian. My, my mom cooked everything. My mom was a worker and she was a teacher as I was a, growing up. So we had a crock pot in the 70s. How many of you remember crock pots? My mom did everything in a crock pot. She put a roast in a crock pot, spaghetti in a crock pot. She washed clothes in a crock pot. Literally. I'm serious. Everything went in that crock pot in the 70s. And I remember as a kid, she would tell me, she goes, Steve, listen, I put the roast in there. Listen, just put it on low. I want to say to you guys that we're on low. We are all growing. We are all maturing. There is not a destination. The destination that we're going to make is heaven. But in this earth, you go from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. But there is a starting point. There's a starting point to our, to our spiritual journey. And that's when we give our hearts to Christ. Now, I want to share just briefly a little bit about my story. I, I, uh, my parents, I remember when we, I grew up in South Louisiana, my parents when they got saved, we went to it. And I say this respectfully, a very high liturgical church. Uh, you know, as a, as a young boy, you go to church and you get extra credit for not moving around. You know what I'm talking about? And if you move around or talk, you know, your mom looks at you. Um, you know, she'd look at you. And, and, and you know, if you, you move again, you're about to see Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Y- y'all kind of know it. So, so then one day, my mom, 1980, I was born in 1968. 1980, my mom comes home. She goes, you, you, we've gone to this new church. And I thought, we're going to go to a new church, okay? And I'll be honest, I'd never seen anything like it. We walk in, they had drums on the stage and guitars. And, and I remember my brother and I, I was 12, my brother was 14. There was this lady, and I, this 1980s, long hair. You could literally get between her body and her hair as her hair, because she, she was swinging around. And I, they were raising hands. I thought, what are they doing? You got to realize, I come from a liturgical church. You don't move. You get extra credit. If you move, God's mad at you, or at least your mom is. And now all of a sudden, there's drums, there's guitar, people are clapping, and it was just wild. Matter of fact, the preacher, he would get off the stage and walk down. And talk. I remember one time he was coming right for my brother and I, and I looked at my brother and said, he's coming for you, you wicked person. <laughs> so my mom gets born again. She becomes a believer. I thought, born again. What does that even mean? She, she, she's, she's, she's saved. Saved. It's like different language. Then I found out, by the way, then I found out about prayer lists and intercessors. 
And I saw my mom's prayer list one time. And on the top of the list was my name, my heathen son, Steve. <laughs> my mom prayed for me. My mom, listen, I was on every prayer list in America. If you're older than 52, you probably prayed for me. My mom would stop. Would you pray for my son? He's a heathen. He needs to go to jail. I'm just telling you, she, I was on, I, I had prayer lists. I had prayer. Ladies would come over to my house, anoint my room with oil, pull down my ACDC posters. Come on, somebody. You know, come on, little Led Zeppelin Rush 2112. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, she, she, would, she would just, and so, so there's these two ladies. Actually, there was this lady with these two girls, and she was from Chile, and, uh, and Miss Alvarez. And so my mom would just, please pray for my son. So I had to go to church on the weekend. I had to go. There was no option. I can't even relate to people. You know, you, I don't want to make my little son Johnny go to church. He may grow up and hate God. He does hate God. That's why I don't want to go to church. Why don't you make him go to church? That's where he'll meet God. That's a whole other message. But anyway, so... So I had to go to church, and my mom wouldn't give me lunch money. If you don't go to church, you're not getting lunch money. So I went to church. So I would be sitting in the back, and Miss Alvarez would come. She had two girls that were exactly my age and my brother's age, and they'd walk by me. And I had to go to church. She goes, girls, come, come. And she'd get right by me, and she'd always stretch her hands out. She'd go, demons, come out. Jesus, in. <laughs> I'm like, I can't be that bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Finally, I was a freshman at Tulane University. I get born again. And I'm going to tell you something. I got radically saved. Radically saved. So when somebody tries to say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, Christianity's philosophical, ideological. No, you meet a person. His name is Jesus. And your life is transformed by Christ. Now, two things happen when you get saved. Number one, when you get saved, watch this. The Holy Spirit, he breathes his spirit into your heart and you come alive. Christianity's not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. So just remember that. You come alive in God. I got born again. Number two, watch this. The second thing that happens, the second thing that happens is I believe the Holy Spirit, he blows into your heart his dream for your life. I want to talk to you. I got about 17, 18 minutes. I want to talk to you about the process of a dream. Everyone say dream. dream. How does it happen? Number one, when you get born again, remember my, what I said. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. You become alive in God. And number two, God puts a dream in your, heart, in your heart. I want to talk to you. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. I want to talk to you three steps. You'll never forget this message. We'll repeat some things over and over. I think it's essential to all of us as we walk with God. I want to talk to you about the biblical character of Abram, who became Abraham. Abram, who became Abraham. Number one, God is the dream giver. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Here's what the scripture says. <clears throat> now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you, watch this, and you shall be a blessing. So he's prophetically speaking about Abram's future. All right. He's going to be a father of many nations. Watch this. Verse three. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all, this is huge. In you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow. So God called Abram later named Abraham, out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. So here's what he was. He was a polytheist. He worshiped many gods. We're monotheistic. Mono is the Latin word. One theism, belief in God. He believed in many gods. We, believed in one, we believe in one God. But he had an encounter with God. 
And when he had an encounter with God, if you read Genesis chapter 11, then into 12, you see how God called him. Watch this. God drew Abram unto himself and changed his name. Don't miss this. And then, like I said, God put a dream in his heart. And what was the dream to be? The dream was to be the father of many nations. A big dream, a huge dream. Now, there were some problems. Here's the problems. Let me give you a couple. Number one, he was 75 years old. His wife was 65 years old, a little bit past the age of childbearing. I know what some of you guys think, yeah, but pastor, didn't they live like 900 years in the Bible? That's like toddlers. No, no, time out. Before the flood, they did. Methuselah was before the flood. After the flood, God says, I'm going to cut their life short 120 years. So 65, 75. But here's the other bigger problem. His wife, Sarai, at the time, who was turned to Sarah, and the problem was is that she was infertile. She, she couldn't have children. So here's the point. The point is God calls this couple a little bit older that they're going to be a father and a mother, and the problem is they couldn't have children. You say, Pastor, why is that important? Somebody told me one time, Pastor, what's the difference between a God dream and a good dream? What's the difference between a God idea and a good idea? A good idea you can accomplish in your own strength. But a God idea, a God dream is so big. It's so impossible. The weight of it actually pushes you. Watch this. It pushes you to a point where you've got to get on your knees. Why? Because you need God's help to accomplish God's dream. You can't just do it on your own. So in other words, impossibility is the precursor to know that you're stepping into God's dream. And that's exactly what happened in Abram's life. It's bigger than him. How's this going to happen? It's impossible. I never forget, I was in college and God began to speak to me. My parents, my mom as a principal of the school, my dad was, a, was an attorney. There's a couple of attorneys that are going to go to heaven. <laughs> if you're an attorney, come up afterward, I'll ask and discern and see if it's one of you. But anyway, so I'm joking. My dad's an attorney. My two brother-in-laws are attorneys. So I was on that track. I have a degree in college at Tulane in rhetoric, which means nothing. I'm not even sure what it was. I'm serious. I got increasingly confused over the years. So it was when I was a junior, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started putting in my heart. I bet you the same thing with you, Pastor. God started putting a dream in your heart. And it was like I started seeing myself ministering to people. I was born again. I'm doing Bible studies. I started seeing myself speaking to people. And I'll never forget when I went back to my parents. And, and, I, and, I, and I told my parents, I said, I want you all to sit down. I want to I share with you. When you're a junior, for those of you that are in the legal profession, you know when you're a junior, you take what's called an LSAT, a law school entrance exam. And, and so and I had, I had the grades to do it. And I remember I said, I, I, wanna, I need you all to sit down. I said, I want to share with you. Um, what God's been speaking to me about. I said, um, I'm, I'm going to finish college next year. This was 1990, so 91. I said, I'm going to finish college next year, but I'm not going to law school. I'm actually going to go to Bible school. God's called me to be a preacher. And I never forget my mom's response. She put her, she put her head in, in her hands. She went, oh my God, my son is going to be so poor. God help him. <laughs> Now remember, when I remember this, she prayed for me to be saved for seven years. I guess I got too saved, oversaved. <laughs> Everybody say this. Say, God is, God is the dream giver. Dream. When you get born again, God puts his dream in your heart. God put a dream in Abram's heart to be a father of many nations. Let me give you the second step here. Delays are always inevitable. Delays are always inevitable. When God puts a dream in your heart, there's always a delay. I never forget, I have an older brother uh, who's two years older than me, then I have a younger sister, much younger. But my brother is two years older than me. 
And I know part of the role, this shouldn't be, but part of the older brother, you know, he, he feels like, you know, he's, my brother kind of picked on me, but he also would kind of always try to tell me what to do, you know. And he also would give me good advice at nighttime, you know, sometimes, right? And I remember forget, we, we had two twin beds, and uh, he was in bed, and I was in bed, and he said, Steve, tomorrow's a big day for you. This is my brother. Okay, I'm like six, he's eight. He goes, tomorrow's a big day for you. You're going to go to kindergarten. I said, yeah, I'm going to kindergarten. He says, let me just tell you what happens in kindergarten. You learn how to read in kindergarten. It's very powerful. You see me? I've got these Hardy Boys books. Anybody remember Hardy Boys books? <laughs> Y'all remember that? He said, see these Hardy Boys? But Y'all don't remember that, Pastor Aaron. Yeah. yeah, yeah but, 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 but we're old. But, so I said, see these Hardy, Hardy Boys books? I said, I said uh, he goes, you can, when you go to kindergarten, you're going to be able to read. So watch this. I go to kindergarten. First day of kindergarten, I come back. I'm just crying. I'm just crying. <laughs> My mom comes up, she goes, Stevie, she said, call me Stevie. Stevie, what's wrong, sweetie? I said, Mama, Keith told me last night that when you go to kindergarten, you learn how to read. And I didn't learn how to read today, Mom. I did not learn how to read. And she goes, sweetie, you don't learn how to read the first day. You take all year long. What's the point? Isn't that just like some Christians? God puts a big dream in your heart, a big vision in your heart, and you're like, Jesus, you got till 5 o'clock today. Are y'all with me? Everybody say delays are, delays are always, always inevitable. inevitable. Watch this. Look at Genesis chapter 16. Je Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. So Genesis 12, God puts a dream in his heart. Genesis 16, watch this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne in no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in. Uh-oh. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. That's not what the Lord said. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Listen to this. Abram and Sarai failed. Why? In this moment, because they took matters into their own hands. God puts a dream in your heart, a big dream. Accomplish big things, do things. We need his help. We start calling out to God. But if it doesn't happen in our time, right? And we live in a culture, we want things instant. We want things instant coffee, instant clothes, dried, dried through, go through, boom, instant food. Everything's instant. We want it quick. We want it now. The problem is, is that God, the problem wasn't with God. The problem was they were unwilling to, listen, walk through the process. In other words, they wanted to speed up the process of God. How often do we want to do that in our lives? God speaks to us. God gives us a word. And by the way, I want to say this. That's where a lot of spiritual warfare comes in. You talk about when God speaks to you. I've had people in our church, single people, you, tell us, you know, God, you know, where's my husband or where's my wife and what's going to happen? And, and, and I had this girl come up to me and she goes, Pastor, I'm not going to one more wedding of one more friend of mine that I'm not the participant in, that I'm not, I'm not doing it. And the reason why is because she had a word from God. God was going to bring her a husband. The problem was is there was a delay. And now that's the warfare. By the way, that's the spiritual warfare phase. That's when the enemy gets in. Where's your God now? Where's your God? If God loves you, oh yeah, Pastor Aaron talks about it on the weekend. God loves you. Has a, yeah, but where is your God now? That's the lies of the enemy. 
tries to get you to indict the character of God. And yet there's a process. How many times have you, how many times have I, Pastor Aaron, Eric, how many times have I taken matters into my own hands? The reality is, is that's where they were. And that's where the warfare is. And that's where the test is. Everybody say, God is is. the dream giver. giver. Say this, delays are are always always inevitable. You know, my second year Bible school, I, I went from, I graduated in 91, then I went to Bible school, I went to seminary after that. But the second year Bible school is a big thing. It's a really big thing because it was a two-year Bible school because, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Pastors, a lot of pressure. Like, where are you going? You know, like, where are you going to go? You know, call. so the second year Bible school, people are like making business cards. I really mean this. Like our fourth semester, it's first semester, second, third, fourth. It's a two-year Bible school. It's a missionary training school. And I, I was in Dallas and I, 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 um, you know, it's pressure. Had a guy come to me because, you know, where are you going, brother? I said, you know, I just, I'm, uh, and so this guy told me, he says, God's called me to be an apostle to Mexico. I thought, wow, I didn't even know if they were making those apostles anymore. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I was, this other guy told me, I'm going to be a prophet to France. Here's the funniest thing. He really was, he's on Christian television today. If I told you his name, uh, can I tell you his name? His name's David Herzog. Has anybody ever seen him on Christian media? Okay, he, he told me this. He goes, I'm going to be a prophet. He really was. He's like this prophetic voice and all this stuff. This other guy says, you know, my dad's this pastor of this Assembly of God Church. I'm going to be the youth pastor. Where are you going, Stephen? I'm like, I'm, um, I'm still praying about it. What you mean? I have no idea. Come on, are y'all with me? A <laughs> lot of pressure. So you know what I do? I go back to New Orleans. I don't have a job. Nobody's offered me. I go back to work at Semolina's restaurant, you know, you know, cooking pasta for Jesus. I did some more training and my, the church didn't have any money that I came from to be able to give me any money. And so I'm, here it is. I'm shucking pasta for Jesus. I'll never forget. I was at Tulane University. I graduated with one, one of my closest friends. I said, I shared Christ with him a lot. He never became a Christian. I'll never forget the day, Pastor Aaron, when he was sitting at my table. Here it is. So I've graduated from college. I've now graduated from Bible college. All right. My mom, Steve, when are you going to get a real job? I'm going to get a job, mom. I'm waiting tables. I'm cleaning office buildings on the weekend. I'm in seminaries while I'm getting more education. I'm working in the church. The church doesn't have money to pay me, mom, but I'm serving. Okay. I, I, and so I never forget when I was going to go. My, my friends that thought I was crazy when I was a freshman, I got saved. I remember they were sitting at my table and my friend who was a junior now at this time in medical school in Nashville at Vanderbilt University. And I remember walking up to the table. Pastor, longest walk I ever made in my life. I was like, I was like, Ooh. they were in, they were in for Mardi Gras. And I was like, because I knew it was coming. I was like, Ooh. Oh, gosh. Ooh. and I got to them. I had my little waiter apron. Nothing wrong with being a waiter, okay? But that wasn't like what I was trained for for my whole life. This, and I, I know it's a great profession for some, but I, I felt called to ministry, right? So, so, so I got to the table. He had bright red hair and a red beard. And I never forget. So I said, um, can I get y'all something to drink? And he looked at me. He goes, Steve, dude. Remember, we've been out of college three years. I said, he goes, Steve, dude, like, what are you doing here? Like, I thought you like went off and became a priest. Let me ask you a question. How do you tell a guy he's not saved? He's not Christian. He doesn't have a biblical worldview. How do you say to him? Oh, brother. No, you don't understand something. Jesus has me here building character in me. I'm growing in God. He doesn't understand that. Does that make sense? 
Everybody say delays are always inevitable. I never forget that day. God really spoke to me. I was walking back to my car and I made a decision. If I have to stay here the rest of my life, I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to do it unto the Lord. You guys ever heard the preacher? There's a famous preacher. If I mention his name, he always would say, God is never late. You ever heard that before? How many of you ever heard God's never late? I want to say this. He usually tends late. He's definitely never early. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, impatient, but imitate those through faith. Everyone say faith. Faith. And what's that next word? Say it. Patience. Inherit the promise. Pastor, why is the delay inevitable? Why is it so important? I, I, don't, I don't have time to give this big theological treatise, but I will say this. I, will, I want everybody to hear me, all those that are joining me online. Here it is. Number one, God's a dream giver. Number two, delays are always inevitable. Here's one thought about the delay. I believe God is, all joking aside, building something in you to be able to handle when God does something through you. If we understand that God has got us in a process, everyone say process. The point is not the goal. The point is the process of becoming what God's called you to be and actually handling and managing. If you're a single person, become the best single person that you can be. If you, whatever it is, if you're, well, I've always, God's put a dream in my heart to own my own business. Well, be the best employer you can be, employee for that employer while you're in the process of waiting for that to happen. Does that make sense? Well, God's called me to plant a church. Well, I saw this man and this couple being the best team member of another church while God was building something in them before that happened. Does that make sense? In other words, don't wait. The po- in other words, don't waste the wait. Boy, that's powerful. I've never said that before. Don't waste the wait because God's working in you so He can work through you. Everybody say God is the dream giver. Everybody say delays are. Always, always, always inevitable. Let me give you a third and final thing. Pastor, do I have five more minutes? Raise your hand if I got five more minutes. Five, 10, 15. Come on now. We're not worried about that next service. I'm just, I, 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 I'll be fast, I promise you. You're like, just move along. <laughs> okay, I really will. Okay, by the way, having another service where y'all have to leave another, that's a good problem for a church. That means the restaurant's serving good food. Okay. All right. Let me keep going. All right. Here we go. Here's the third and final point. Literally three minutes and we're done. Here it is. Here it is. God's timing is always perfect. Always. Check this out. Here it is. Genesis chapter 21. Here it is. Genesis chapter 21, verse one. Watch this. So God's the dream giver. Delays are always inevitable, but watch God's timing. Genesis 21, verse one. This is so cool. And the Lord now, this, you got to see this. This is 25 years after the original promise. Somebody say, Pastor, can you delay what God's doing in your life? Here's what I do know. You can't speed it up, but I think you can delay it. I'm wondering if they wouldn't have taken a side journey, would they have got to the destination a little bit quicker? Just a thought. I want to posit that thought. You can't speed it up. But I think, now, now here's what's so cool about God's grace. Even if we take a detour and get off the wrong interstate, God's grace will get us back on if we trust him. But watch this. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. 
For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, comma. Let's read those next four words. Can we read that after that comma? Y'all ready? At the, at the count of three. All right, here it is. One, two, three. At the set time. Stop right there. At the set. Pastor, does God have a set time? According to the Bible, he does. God's got that spouse for you at the set time. God's got that next promotion at the set time. God's got, are, are y'all with me? At the set, God has a set time, at the set time for which he has spoken. And Abraham, look at verse 3, I want to hurry up. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, and to Sarah, Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded. And Abraham was 100 years old. 100 years old. It's kind of like this building and all this property. It's wonderful. You know what? Y'all need to be faithful. God's going to expand you guys. I know right before this, there was 600, 700 people that are coming. You guys are like, let me tell you, if you're faithful, God's got a process, whether it's building this, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Does that make sense? Because we got to position ourselves and stay faithful in the process. And God's got something's going to happen. All right, now watch this. Now watch this. First of all, that was just an extra, but I felt that from the Lord. Five, here it is. Now Abraham was 100 years old, and God has made me laugh. It's so wonderful when we see the promise of God come to pass. So what happened? Here's what happened with me. Now close with this. That day, I decided I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve at this restaurant. My church didn't have the money to pay financially. And so my pastor, the associate pastor, I live with he and his wife. Now remember this. Everybody say, God is the dream giver. Say, delays are always inevitable. Say this. Say, God has a set time. Question, what do you do in the delay while you're waiting for that set time? I left that restaurant that day, and the Lord spoke to me. Just serve, Steve. I'm working. I'm working. I went back, and I told my pastor, I said, Pastor, I'll do whatever. My pastor, the associate pastor of the church, had a vision. Now, if you don't believe in visions, it's in the Bible. He saw himself speaking in East Jefferson High School. And he saw himself speaking to teenagers and then trying to invite them afterwards. And he knew the principal says, look, I'm not going to preach Jesus during the day. I understand the rules, but after school, can I have a club? And I want to talk about Christ and success in life. And he did that for three weeks. This is September of 90. It's in there. It's in the 93, 94. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember the exact. It was in, it was, it culminated in, in 93. He has this vision. He does it. He has a thousand kids. He has seven kids after school one week, six the next, five the next. Don't miss this. After the third week, Pastor Aaron, he comes to me and says, Steve, I, I don't really feel like I'm connected with these kids. Would you take this? I said, I'll do it. I don't really like high school kids. <laughs> but I'll do it. And I took it. And God touched it. And it exploded. There was thousands of kids. If you go today, nextgenclubs.com. Nextgenclubs.com. There's 25,000 kids in kind of the whole Gulf Coast area. About t of course, with COVID and all that change. But thousands and thousands of kids that came out of me being willing to say, Pastor, I'll do it. What's the point? Here it is. Here it is. While you're waiting for your dream to come to pass, serve somebody else's dream. You want to be a mama? Be the best aunt you can be while you're waiting to be a mama. You with me? 
You want to have your own business? Be the best employee. In other words, there's something about, because being a servant positions you, it positions you to handle your own. Do y'all receive that word today? Do y'all receive that? All right, pastor, come on out. I want to say I'm so proud of this man and all God's doing at Rise Church. And Father, we're just so grateful for Pastor Aaron and Erica, Lord, the whole team here. And God, may your favor, Lord, may your favor continue to rest upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Come on, give it up for Pastor Steve one last time. Thank you, Pastor.